this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have roamed briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Thank you, Faith. Great job. We appreciate that. And good morning to all of you. Happy Sunday. And to all of you that are online, we're glad that you're with us today. So, and all the kids that are in here, we're so glad that you guys are here. I want to, I want to say a word to the kids. I know that you've got some things that you can color and stuff that you can do, but I also want to let you know that in today's sermon, as you kids are listening to the sermon, I have chosen to include some word pictures. Those are called metaphors. Some word pictures and some stories with you kids in mind. So one of the things you can do if you're uh, one of the splash kids, and you're listening to the sermon, this is a good day to kind of um, click in and dial into the sermon through some of those. So you might want to keep track of those, and you can let me know after the service or some other time if you heard a word picture or a story uh, about this passage. Ephesians 3, 1 to 6, it's right there in the bulletin, and you can follow it along. One of the things I want to point out is that, is that there are some stories, aren't there, that are timeless. So in 1957, there was a Broadway musical called The Music Man. It got a Tony Award for the best Broadway musical of the year, The Music Man. You may have heard of that, that musical. So it's a story of a traveling salesman, a traveling salesman by the name of Harold Hill, who comes to a small town in the Midwest. Now, Harold Hill was also a con man. He was selling band instruments and ba uh, band uniforms, but he wasn't really able to build a band. He was a con man, and he was going to deceive the town, and then he was going to move on. Well, as the story goes on, Harold Hill in the music man was transformed by love as he got to know Marion the librarian. And so it's a great story. What well, was a Broadway musical in New York City? Well, in 1964, there was a reenactment of that musical near Frankfurt, Germany at Rhein-Main Air Base at the same time that my dad was stationed there, was assigned there. We were living there, and they needed uh, cast members from the town to be a part, from the community to be a part of the music man. I was an 11-year-old clarinet player who was invited to be in the music man. The, the story has amazing songs in it. It's got songs like There's Trouble Right Here in River City. It's got songs like Marion the Librarian, and then at the end, it's got a song, uh, 76 Trombones in the Big Parade. And so all of the plot twists in the story are resolved in the final scene, in this final parade of all the kids. 
So I was actually in that parade. I had a uniform. I was marching in the big parade in this musical performance of the Music Man. I, was a, I had a bit part. I was not the star, but I had a small part in this amazing story. And as, as I was looking back on that story, I was wishing that I could go back and relive that moment. I've actually got a newspaper clipping that talks about that performance. And, uh, but I wish I could go back and relive that because it is such a great story. But at the time, and here's the kicker, I had really no clue about the story. I remember some of the songs, but I didn't really fully get and appreciate the nature of the story. Now, why do I say that? What's going on in Ephesians 3, chapter 1, we're getting into a biographical section. You'll notice in ver chapter 3, verse 1, he says, for this reason, I, Paul. So Paul is beginning to talk about himself in Ephesians 3, 1 through 6, the passage we're going to talk about this morning. And what you'll notice about Paul is that he sees himself as part of a larger story. He sees himself as part of a larger story. He doesn't just have a bit part. He's got a major part in that story. So somewhat like I had a, a, a part in the music man, and in that musical, Paul had a part in this larger story. And what he wants us to see is that this is a, the, the larger redemptive story and the plan of God that he uses the word mystery three times in this passage. And that's going to be our key to this story is the word mystery. We're going to look at the three occurrences of the word mystery because in a way you can say that a mystery is a story. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Before we do though, I want to make a comment about sacrifice and suffering. Now why do I do that? Well, because we can't skip over verse 1 and what Paul says in the biographical part. So check that out, verse 1. He says, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. So this is the verse in Ephesians where we learn that Paul is actually writing this letter from prison in Rome. Now there's a couple things I want you to notice about what he says here. First he says, this is very odd, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now what does he mean by that? He's in prison, he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Well, he was actually a prisoner of Nero, who was the Roman emperor at the time, the evil Nero. And so Paul was in prison there, but he says, I'm also a prisoner of Christ. Now what do you and I learn from that? What we learn is that life operates on two levels. There is the level of Nero, but over that is the level of Christ. There is the larger story. And it's the same thing that is true of us. There's the level of COVID, then there's the level of God's larger story, the wondrous mystery. There's the level of all the suffering, all the stuff you're going through in your life, your relationship challenges, whatever they might be, there's that level, but there's also the level of Christ. So Paul, the first thing we see here is he was a prisoner with a purpose. He was a prisoner with a purpose. He was in prison, but he knew that he was part of this larger story, and that was life-changing for him. That was amazing, and he really appreciated that story. The second thing I want you to notice about verse 1, though, is he, he says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, there's a really important principle here, and that's this. 
for anybody that gets involved in a ministry, whether it's you know, serving in Splash, leading a small group, serving in the church in some way, being a pastor, whatever it might be, if you're a missionary, if you choose to follow God's purposes, it will require from you sacrifice. So notice what Paul says here. He says, I am a prisoner of Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. So we see in Ephesians this theme of sacrifice. And I share that with you because a lot of us as Americans who expect everything to work out in life for us, we are shocked when we encounter suffering or when we encounter sacrifice. Ephesians 3.1 normalizes it. And we need to realize that, that not only is Paul a prisoner with a purpose, but he is a prisoner who is following a pattern. There is a purpose and there's a pattern. What's the pattern? It's the pattern of Christ. The Bible teaches that Christ sacrificed for us and then he rose from the dead. So there was suffering and then there was glory. And that's the Christian life. We want glory without the suffering, but if you step out in faith, if you're a part of God's purposes, it will require sacrifice. So later in Ephesians chapter five, verse one, he says to be imitators of God and to love as Christ has loved us as an offering and a sacrificial aroma. So what Ephesians teaches in this theme of sacrifice is that when you love other people, it's not about just loving the people that are easy, but it's loving the people for whom you need to sacrifice. That's the pattern of Christ. He goes on in Ephesians chapter five and says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Why does he do that? Because marriage follows the pattern of Christ. It, was, it involves sacrifice. So this is a really powerful principle as we wrap up 2020. And I want you to see that from Ephesians chapter 5 and just one, verse 1. Now, this idea of the wondrous mystery, which is the title of our sermon today, it must have been a very significant story in the eyes of Paul for him to be willing to go to prison for this story. So that's what we want to see today is we want to see why this story, which Paul calls a mystery, why is it a wondrous story? Why is it an amazing story? Why is it a story worth sacrificing for? Why is it a story worth living for? So why is it a wondrous story? So we're going to look at three occurrences of, of the word mystery in this passage to see why it's a wondrous story. So it's going to be very easy to follow today. You're going to after these three words, you're going to go, wow, I see why, as Paul uses the word mystery, this is a wondrous story. So look, first of all, at verses 2 and 3. Notice what he says about the mystery. He says, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Again, there's that sacrifice. Look at verse 3. How the mystery was made known to me briefly by revelation as I have written Briefly, Notice the use of the word mystery. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. Now, all of us love a mystery. When I was seven years old, and in the years after that, I began reading Hardy Boy books. You guys ever heard of the Hardy Boys? And uh, it was one of the best things I ever did because I learned to read, I learned to appreciate stories and language, and these were 
amazing books because they were mystery books, and I loved them. Each chapter ended with a cliffhanger that was answered in the next chapter, so these books would keep me going. They were well-written. You know, I even read stories by Nancy, about Nancy Drew, about Tom Swift, but the Hardy Boys, that's what got me started in these mystery stories. And so there were titles of the books that would just send chills up my spine, like uh, The Hidden Harbor Mystery, or The Shore Road Mystery, or The Secret of the Old Clock. And I would look through it, and I, I would just love those stories. I would read them over and over again because I love a mystery. Now, one of the things I want to clear up about Paul's use of mystery, what the word mystery means in the Bible, we think of a mystery as something that's difficult to understand or that is kept secret from us. But that's not what Paul means here. Paul, what Paul means in this passage is a mystery is something that we would not know unless God revealed it to us. We would not know it unless God revealed it to us. So notice what Paul says in verse 3. He says, the mystery was made known to me by revelation. So the apostles and the prophets, it was made known to them. It was revealed to them. And that is an important thing to understand about the truth of Christianity and why it stands alone among all the world's religions. religions. Because Paul is saying here, I'm writing this book, but I did not make it up. I did not make up the story of Jesus. I found myself in this story. That's a, a great story that was planned long ago, but I did not make it up. It was revealed to me by God. This is a mystery that, like a Hardy Boys book, gets unfolded throughout the Bible. There are cliffhangers. There are exciting uh, answers to things. It's, a, it's an amazing story, but it is revealed to us by God. So that's the first thing to remember about this mystery, is that the mystery is revealed by God. That's part of what makes it a wondrous mystery. It came from God. It was not invented by Paul or by any human being. Let's look at the second thing, though, that we learned, the second use of the word mystery in this passage, and uh, we'll start reading at verse at verse 4. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Notice that phrase, the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. Remember, there were earlier chapters. It's not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy prophets, apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Here's the second reason why it is a wondrous mystery. First, it was revealed by God. Second, the mystery has a hero. The mystery has a hero. That is part of what makes it a wondrous mystery. Now, in The Music Man, the musical that I got to be in as a cl young clarinet player with a uniform and being in the marching band, The Music Man had a hero, but it was not the con man that came to the town who's saying, we have trouble right here in River City, it was actually Marion, the librarian, becomes the hero of the story because this con man is transformed when he gets into a relationship with Marion, the librarian. There's a great song in there about Marion, the librarian. So in that story, I, I name Marion as the hero. Now, in the Bible, Christ is the hero. And I want to share with you how this, this idea of 
the importance of Christ fits in with the fact that the mystery was revealed by God. So for all you kids, here's the next story or here's the next word picture I want to put in your mind. On Christmas morning, what happens when you open up your presence underneath the tree. What's going on? Well, what you do is you pick up a package and then you look on the outside of the package and uh, at least if we had time to do this the night before or whatever, and there is a tag on the outside of that passage. There's a card, cardboard tag that says who it's from and who it's for. So you pick up a gift, and you've been looking at those gifts under the tree. You've been shaking those gifts. You've been taking the ones that were, that were for you, but it says who it's from. On Christmas morning, you open up that gift. You open it up, and you find the treasure that is inside that, that, all of that paper. You find the treasure that's there. That happens on Christmas morning. So what's going on? Well, it's the tag on the outside that tells you who the gift is from, but it's when you open up the gift that you find the treasure that is inside. The same is true about our salvation and about the salvation story and about the, the mystery is that it was given by God. The tag on the outside says this is from God, it was revealed by God, but when you open up the, the package, you find that the treasure is Christ himself. This mystery has a hero, and it is Christ. Now, why does he say, why does he call it the mystery of Christ in this verse? What he means, it's the mystery about Christ. Christ is the one who is revealed. There's a verse in the early part of your bulletin in the quotes at the front, a verse from Isaiah chapter 9 that talks about uh, the light has come to people in darkness. So the first thing we see is that this hero was promised by God. We heard uh, Malcolm and Simone read from Genesis 3 about the seed of the woman that would come. That was a promise about the hero. Isaiah 9 talks about how the light has come. It even says it. It's so sure that it's in the past tense. Then we go later on in Isaiah chapter 9, and it refers to the hero who would come, and it calls him wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. That is clearly talking to the hero that is to come. That's why this, this, this mystery is so wondrous. It was promised in the Old Testament. But then you get to Luke chapter 2, and you have the announcement of the angels. This is the opening up of the package where we see the treasure that is Christ. And what did the angels say? They said, this day in the city of David, a Savior is born to you who is Christ the Lord. So that is the, the unveiling of this mystery, the unveiling of Christ. And then we learn that this same hero, this same Savior lead, led a perfect life. He died on the cross. That is when he became our Savior, when he became our hero. He died for our sins. That's why he's the hero. And he rose from the dead. And that whole story is the mystery of Christ, and that is why Paul says this is a wondrous mystery. So that's the second thing. First thing is that the mystery is revealed by God. The second is that it is the mystery of Christ. Christ is the hero. This mystery has a hero. But I, wanna, I want you to see the third thing that Paul says here. The third use of the word mystery here is he says that the mystery 
includes us. It includes all of us in this room. Now let's talk about that for a minute. Look at verse 6. It's the last verse in our reading, Ephesians 3, verse 6. It says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, we always welcome guests at Lake Baldwin Church, and all of you can remember back to the first time you walked into a worship service at Lake Baldwin Church. I believe that most people, when they walk into a church for the first time, are asking three questions. The first question is this, how do things work here? Now, in the era of COVID, you'll say, well, how does things work here? Do they have safety protocols, temperature checks, masks, social distancing? So you know that it's organized, but then you ask other questions about how it works here. How does the seating work? Uh, how does the service flow? So you start to get into that and understand that better. Is the Bible taught? Does the church have elders? Is it organized? Is there a plan? Those are all things that give us safety and security when we are a guest at a church. So I think that's one of the first questions that people ask. But here's the second question I believe that people are asking, and that is, am I included? Am I included? In other words, my age, kids, senior adults, everything in between, you're asking the question, am I included? Um, for those who have a different stage of life, all the ages, all the stages of life, all the different stories, think, what about my story? I'm unique here. There's something special about me. Am I included? And then the third thing that people asked is this one, will I be loved here? Because all of us, all of us in this room have a story. All of us in, our, in this room have sins and failures. And we believe that somehow what being a Christian is about is putting my best foot forward or being moral. But the gospel is different from that. The gospel story is God gave, God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And that's the gospel story. And that's why sinners are welcome no matter what their story. There was a, uh, a young man from Canada who in the late 1960s did a road trip in California on Route 66, and he noticed all of the billboards everywhere. But there were certain signs that he noticed when he was traveling through California that really bothered him. So one of them was um, a sign inviting people to apply for employment, but the sign said, long-haired, freaky people need not apply. Then he went to and he saw another sign, and it was a no trespassing sign, stay off my property. And then he went to a restaurant and was kicked out because there was a sign there that had a dress code for him. So he was annoyed by those three signs, but he, then he went to, he saw a sign for a church, and the sign said, everybody welcome, come in and kneel down and pray. And he said that when they passed around the offering at the end of the service, he says, I didn't even have a penny to give, but I wrote a sign to God, and I put that in the offering place. And the sign that he wrote was, 
um, thank you, Lord, for thinking about me. I'm alive and doing fine. That same guy, Les Emerson, the young Canadian, went on to write a song released in 1970 simply called Signs about that. Now, what we saw when I read this verse to you, you might have thought, wow, that's a pretty complicated verse, but what Paul is doing here is these Gentiles, and it's true of us, are realizing they are incredibly lucky to be included in this story, because look at what he says in verse six. This mystery now is that Gentiles are fellow heirs. So they've been adopted into the family. They, they have an equal right in the family. If you're a new Christian, if you're uh, wherever, you're at, wherever you're at in your story, it's not this system where people are better than you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The Gentiles are fellow heirs. They are members of the same body. What's that talking about? The body of Christ is talking about the church. The church is a different kind of place which not, is not based upon your performance or your status or your income. It's based on something different. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. That was the promise that God gave to Abraham fulfilled in Christ that all the nations would be blessed through him. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. So we are included in this mystery. Now, there's a, another couple of words I want to point out, though, in verse 6. Check this out in Ephesians 3, 6. Partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. How do I, how do I experience this mystery? How do I become part of the story? According to this verse, it is by receiving Christ as he is offered in the gospel, simply through faith in Christ and on no other basis. What a, great, what a great promise that is for all of us. So, three things we've learned about the mystery and why it's wondrous. One, it is revealed by God. Number two, the mystery has a hero, that is Christ. Then number three, we are included. And I believe that the Bible answers those questions that we all ask when we're new to a church. You know, I, uh, I knew that I was gonna tell the story about the music man and I was gonna do a little bit of uh, sharing about how meaningful that was to me as an 11-year-old child. And I looked back in Wikipedia and I read about the story and I, I realized how little I knew about the amazing story of the music man. And what it made me wanna do is to go back and to relive that moment that I marched in that parade and I wore that hot uniform and I was playing my clarinet. I want to go back and, and relive that moment and really understand how great the story was. Well, what Ephesians 3, 1 through 6 is saying is that you and I are part of a greater story. It is a wondrous story. It is a story that during Advent season we are called back to that story in a very crazy and troubled world, but it is a, bit, a, a better story. Now think about this. Don't be like me and the music man where I was really unaware of the story. We know from Ephesians 3 now what the story is, why it's wondrous, and that we have a part in it. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so grateful that before any of us 
heard the story that you knew about us. We're so grateful, Lord, that we have stepped into a story that was not made up by any man or by any woman, a true story revealed by you. Lord, I just wanna pray this morning that if there's anyone watching online or in this room at this moment who has not received Christ and opened up that free gift of salvation, Christ as he's offered in this gospel story, that at this moment they would in their hearts place their faith in the hero of the story. Lord, enable all of us to find our place, as Paul did, in this wondrous mystery. And it's in the name of our hero, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.